I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. If you noticed, there wasn't an episode on Wednesday. Why? Because we knew this was going to be an important game. We knew it was going to be a highly charged, impactful game. We got everything we wanted. As usual, what we've started doing now, when there is a game that we can all get to react the next day, we're myself, Greg, Will, the free man weave doing a crossover podcast. So this will be up on the Celtics blog feed, but would also be up on the 617 feed for the Green with Envy, guys. Just so everybody knows. Before we get into all of our usual, how we're feeling, what's going on, how we're living, Will has a segment he does for the 617, and I like the idea of running it here when we do these crossovers. So I'm going to allow Will to take it away with your morning box score. Let's get into it. Appreciate the setup, Adam. Let's hop into it. For those of you that are not familiar, this is from Greg and I show over on the 617. This is a callback to our childhood where we used to get together before school, pop open some Frosted Flakes, take the globe, exchange the box score back and forth. So let's kick it off. Make sure we just reset where we're going to be talking about today. Celtics 110, Warriors 88. Big, big win on the road. Let's start with a quick, couple high-level numbers for the Warriors real quick. Jordan Poole, 10 of 20 from the field, 6 of 13 from 3. He had 29 points. He was really big in the second half and giving the Warriors any type of chance. Klay Thompson, 8 of 24, 1 of 11 from 3, 18 points for him. Of course, Steph Curry left in the later part of the second quarter only played just under 14 minutes one of four from him three points we're going to get all into how the celtics affected the warriors night because some of their stats are let's just say a little ugly let's go to the good guys let's go over to the celtics here jason tatum six of 16 three of eight from three he finishes with 26 points 12 rebounds and four assists jalen brown nine to 21 on the night two of eight from three six of seven from the line he had 26 points to go along with seven rebounds and three assists Rob Williams had a great night on the defensive end, nine rebounds, four blocks, eight points to go along with it. And then I think really probably the MVP of the game was Marcus Smart, 20 points for him, eight assists, four rebounds, four of seven from three, eight of 12 from the field overall. And then obviously, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the Celtics defense on this podcast. Celtics hold the, the Golden State Warriors the Golden State Warriors to 22.9 shooting on threes overall 37 just over 37 percent from the field case close big 110 88 road W so how you guys doing today (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling good especially when you hear numbers like that um you know it's great I I like the morning box score because it really just allows me to like reset um, and just experience the game through the box score. And when I look at that box score, when I see Jason Tatum with 26 and 12 and four, 11 of 12 from the line, and then Jalen Brown, 26 points, seven rebounds, six of seven from the line. That is 17 of 19 from your two stars from the free throw stripe. And I think that that's a recipe for success for the Celtics. We've talked about that for a while as Jason Tatum getting to the line, Jalen Brown just attacking downhill. And even when they don't have the most efficient shooting nights, Jason Tatum, 6 for 16, 37% from the field. JB, 9 for 21, 42% from the field. Um, They were 5 for 16 from 3 for basically 33%, just under 33%. But when you get to the free throw line like that, when you play with the level of force that they played with, 
not to steal Scal's word, but they played with a lot of force last night. Um, it, it just it just speaks uh, volumes for what this team can achieve with these two guys at the head of the snake. Yeah, are we labeling this? Oh, sorry, oh, I was going to ask. Are we labeling this the Jedi performance? The Jedi performance. T- tell me a little bit more about why about the Jedi performance. They used a lot of force. That was literally. <laughs> <laughs> well, another movie reference. This is something that I I put out there last night. I want to start calling the Celtics defense the Green Mile. You ever seen the Green Mile, Adam? Long time ago, but yeah, Tom Hanks, Hanks, dead man walking. Yeah. Dead man walking. Dead man. We got a dead man here. Because, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> if you think about what the Green Mile represents, right, that's like the walk from your cell to the execution as, as a prisoner. So, like, all the teams that have to walk the Green Mile anytime they're playing the Celtics, they're walking to their death, man. That's what's happening. When they go up against the Boston Celtics defense, their offense just dies the moment they get out of the court. They might have that one quarter. It's been the third quarter the last couple of times. We've almost let up 40 points. But in order to beat the Celtics defense, to get off a death row, you have to have somebody have like an out-of-body experience to what Jordan Poole did, right? Jordan Poole had a crazy third quarter, but it wasn't enough. If you only have one guy that's able to crack the code on that defense, everybody else is getting executed. Yeah, I think last night is just all about that defense. If we want to call it the Green Mile, let's test it out here. Let's let's see if the reaction we get, if we're going to call the Celtics defense the Green Mile, because I like where your head's at on that, because like, this is the Golden State Warriors. And I know, like I said, in, in the morning box where I mentioned, Steph Curry goes out. We can talk about that in a minute. You know, he goes out towards the end of the second quarter. But that first half, the Warriors at basically full strength. I know no Andrew Wiggins, all-star Andrew Wiggins. I'll put some uh, some mild respect on that name. Um, 32 points in the first half. 32 points. You know how how often it happens that teams score 32 points in a quarter? Never mind the team of the last, you know, half century to a century who revolutionized basketball with their top guys all playing, scoring 32 points. Century. Like, century is not the word. Decade was the was the, <laughs> was the term I was looking for. I saw I saw Adam's head drop to the side and I was like, I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to get some pushback on the team that's won five. Cha- it's been to five finals in the last seven years. But. No, no, no. That's that's a fair point. Centuries, centuries a bit much. Centuries a bit much. But last decade, this team revolutionized basketball with the way that they play, and you just held them to thirty-two points at basically full strength. You know, I have. We can get into the offense a little bit. I think it, it kind of came and went at different times. I think that's going to be an issue long term. But this defense is so suffocating, and I felt like in that first half. Maybe the Warriors got two to three uncontested shots the entire time. There was a hand in everybody's face, a body in front of everybody. Every time they drove, the Warriors got absolutely nothing easy in that first half. And it's one of the most impressive defensive halves I've ever seen. So if anybody, first of all, I definitely agree they're one of the most uh, dominant teams of the decade. Dominant teams of the century, I'm not going to, unfortunately, yeah. I'll leave you on that island. Um, I'm just being a bit of a, a meanie here. Uh, moving past that bit, like for me, <laughs> this is this is like why some people think you're a bully on Twitter, man. Some sometimes you you know you get you get a little mean streak in you. But well, I he's like, got he's, he's got that dry British humor, you know. What I mean, it's like oh, is he yeah, just being, is, is he just being a jerk, or it's like oh no, he's being he's being sarcastic and jolly. It's just not coming through. <laughs> jolly, yeah, it just yeah, doesn't tra- jolly. It does not translate, bro. Like I'm ninety percent of the time I'm joking with people, and so often they take it the wrong way. 
and like my humor is incredibly dry like here as well like a bunch of people are like are you joking really being serious right now and i'm just like look if i find it funny i don't really care so yeah i just i I just try to think of you as uh and i don't know what his name was in the in the british version but ricky gervais in the office where he plays michael scott that's just you yeah that's kind of me i'm i very 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 heavily dislike ricky gervais (laughs) as, as a person like i have no time for that i hate the guy um but i can see like you know just dry blunt humor so never yeah. take me seriously usually i'm being jovial uh what i was gonna say was somebody that i really do enjoy listening to and i personally find quite entertaining is draymond green so i went back and listened to his um post-game press conference this morning and one of the things he noted about the celtics defense and he said it was the reason for the way that the team shot as a whole was the Celtics found a way to speed them up early. So they got them playing a little bit rushed early. And then the way Draymond worded it was, look, man, once you're sped up, you don't really settle back in. And if a team manages to get you out your rhythm early, get you playing at a quicker pace than what you're trying to play at, those wide open shots don't feel open no more because you feel like somebody's rotating over because you're used to playing that faster um, that faster pace. So when when he said that, I was kind of thinking of those rotations and I was like, I feel like that's part of what the Celtics are trying to do as an identity anyway. Not just close down opportunities, not take away shots, but to really get guys feeling like they have no time. Everything's got to be an instant decision and force those those silly mistakes. Be, be a meanie, you know? The Celtics defense is the Adam Taylor humor, just mean. <laughs> just want to make you take as many Kevin Looney jump shots at the end of the quarter as possible. Who said I was a bully on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> you can't let it go. <laughs> I've just I've just seen like when people interact with you, right? They like they definitely have energy like this guy's bullying me. And they you're not bullying them. I think you're just you're not one to shy away from conflict. I don't think you're a, a, to be a bully. I think you would have to be the one like starting the conflict and I don't think you're the one that starts the conflict. I think if someone engages in a war of words with a war of words, that's really hard to say. Um then you're you're just going to fight back, you know, or you're going to, you're going to take some shots back and that's okay. And there's this, but to speak about the Celtics defense being meanies or being bullies. Yeah. They are a bully in in some sense because they're the ones that are coming out and hitting you first, you know? And I think if to, to what Draymond said, um, I just think the Celtics defense, when they come out the way that they came out and when Robert Williams is playing in that help side and erasing everything at the rim, I mean, you saw any time they drove to the paint after those first couple of block shots, they were looking over their shoulder. They didn't want to put up anything because Rob's just lurking in the shadows, man. And that that's terrifying. If, you, if you've ever played against someone who blocks a lot of shots, you very quickly start thinking, I don't want to be the next guy to get swatted off the backboard. And that's what Robert Williams was doing last night. And he only played 23 minutes. He, he had four blocks, but they were the loudest blocks that happened in the game by far. Yeah, and I think something that, you know, you, you watch the Warriors, and, and the Warriors play typically a really beautiful brand of basketball. They're sharing the ball. They're moving. It's the, the baby, basically the opposite of James Harden is, is the way that the Warriors play. Just constant movement. The ball's flying around. You got people off the ball doing, you know, all different types of movement. And, you know, I was curious to see how the Celtics would, would, would hang with that last night. And if you watch some of them off ball, and we've talked about, you know, how their switching scheme, like how, how they're just, they're so connected over these last, you know, since, since the start of the new year, like 
it, it there's not even you don't even need to talk just the way they're switching and you saw all everything that the the warriors were doing off ball Celtics were matching it beat for beat there was never going to be somebody for the most part that's going to get an open look off a curl because there was confusion about who's taking what who's switching on to who it's it's really impressive to see where this team started at and where they're at now to be able to do something like they did last night I think defensively at the moment, first of all, let's give Rob Williams props. He had six rebounds in the first quarter. He only finished a game with nine. So let's yeah. just give him props for starting hot. And I think the I think for me it all comes down to communication, right? Like I think the league past um the league past coverage the last few months has been really good at picking up a lot of the stuff that players are saying on the floor. So like you hear Marcus Smart a lot as well as like like a lot of times, sorry, saying like Jalen, stay high. Yo, rotate, sink get up double hedge like he's really marshalling them and you hear him calling out screens now so you hear someone being like screen left back screen so people know where the offense is and they're trying to set up and it just gives you that extra like half a step half a step i try and americanize my half half um half a step um to try and uh, (laughs) great half a step um just to kind of get around people and stay stay connected to you man and for me that was probably one of the biggest problems for Boston um, in the latter months of the Brad Stevens era was it just felt like everybody was playing quiet. You didn't really hear much discussion going on unless they were jawing at each other for making a mistake. Whereas now the communication is really big. And I think that that goes to what you said. There was no easy shots. You're not curling over and just getting into the paint. Somebody's always going to rotate over and be there. And that you don't get that type of cohesiveness without being like a super talkative team. Yeah, and think about like what the the Warriors were doing last night, and like in the first quarter, right? To to what Draymond was saying earlier, he, they just were able to get the the Warriors playing a little bit faster, and none of them really wanted to get into the paint. Like think of Clay Thompson, how many shots did Clay Thompson take from three point last night? I think eleven. He's like one 11. for 11. one of eleven. Yeah, we, you never felt like Clay was even trying to get into the teeth of the defense. I think the only guy that was able to crack that initial, um, the the initial layer of the defense was Jordan Poole, right? And Jordan Poole's not quite enough of a playmaker to really cause too much havoc once he gets into the middle of the paint, right? Clay was doing everything from the outside, and once you've sped up a shooter like that. Yeah, I mean, I think what Will was saying earlier, the that the I almost call them the Red Sox because Red Sox are on my brain lately. The Celtics are just like they're able to stay with shooters, but even when they get lost, like Jalen, he got lost a few times on Clay last night. But Clay, by the third quarter, he was just completely out of rhythm, and nothing was going down for him last night, even if he was open. So the fact that they were able to start the game so connected by the third quarter, Jordan Poole was the only one that had a hope of, of making a shot and everybody else was just bricking, bricking, bricking. And Clay, Clay, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought about Clay last night, but he looked, gonna ask this. he looked very, very slow. And I would be a little bit worried if I was a Warriors fan, cause he did not look like the Clay Thompson. I remember. See, I, I mean, I, I think by the end, I definitely agree with you. I thought at the beginning, I thought he played, I thought he was playing some better defense. I've watched a couple, I've turned into a couple of Warriors games since he's come back just cause I love Clay. Like the Warriors are probably, you know, my second favorite team to watch outside of the Celtics just because of the way they play the splash bros. And now they have essentially a third splash bro in Jordan Poole. Like I was really curious to see how that all kind of mixes together. I thought, I thought Clay started off looking okay. And then towards the end, I definitely feel like everything you just said, I would, I would second that. And, you know, he got a couple of looks that, you know, in the second half where it felt like, oh, those are clay looks that he can hit, but he just either didn't have the legs, didn't have the confidence. I don't know. There was there was something off. So as, as it got later into the game, 
it didn't feel like clay. I thought the beginning of the game, it felt a little bit like, okay, this is kind of the clay I remember. But yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was very interesting to watch you know, him from start to finish and see how his body kind of didn't necessarily hold up all the way through the game. So he's not clay okay? Not right now. I don't think so. He did have 38 earlier in the week. So, I mean, he, he had his first moment of, you know, kind of making a comeback. But you saw you saw the picture of him at the end of the game, right, where he's just sitting there, and clearly he was very frustrated by that game last night. So, you know, that that's probably a little bit of him still getting his body back to where he yeah. needs to be, but also a big shout-out to the Celtics defense. I think a lot of it comes down to just reps now for Clay. You know, at the end of the day, the dudes came back after, like, what was it, two years away? Basically like, two and a half years. Yeah, like 10, 15, I don't know how many games he's played at this point, probably like 10, 15 games at most. Like, that's not enough. Like, not even enough to get you your conditioning right, your basketball legs underneath you. Like, you hear players say all the time, you can practice and train as much as you want, but at the end of the day, nothing's going to prepare you the same as being in the game and actually participating. So I think a lot of it came, and that's probably why you started off a little bit harder. Obviously, for me, for me, one of the biggest things you look for with Clay is that burst off a screen so he can just get the open look. You didn't really see that, that quick first step so he can beat that closeout. But again, like you need to rebuild that explosiveness. You need to rebuild those reps. And if your body isn't the same, you need to go to Zach Levine route and just alter your game to fit the way your body is now and that's not going to happen this season i don't think i think that's going to be this year is the tune-up year spend the off season figuring out am i the same player am i not the same guy do i need to make an alteration and then come back next year with your big three and really do whatever type of damage you can do but these guys are all getting older right now you know what i mean right that's why i think it's kind of fascinating the Watching Jordan Poole last night in the third quarter, and I know, you know, I'm not sure where you stand on Jordan Poole, you know, coming into the year, but I know Greg and I have been on Jordan Poole train since probably beginning of last year, just with him being like, you know, an exciting prospect. And so I think what they do with him in the offseason, whether they pay him or not, you know, do they trade him to try and capitalize on, you know, what they have left with Draymond, Clay, Steph, like, I think that's all going to be fascinating. But I, I do want to go back to the Celtics for a second here. I think, can we talk about Marcus Smart for a little bit? I feel like last night had Marcus Smart just written all over it. You know, he shot the ball well, which anytime Marcus shoots the ball well, this team's going to be, you know, that much better for it. You know, just because it's it's so important with, you know, with the shooters or lack thereof that we have around. So if you're going to get a four for seven, eight for 12 from the field Marcus Smart game, you better capitalize. And, and obviously this team did. But probably the bigger thing is, other than the 20 points, eight assists and zero turnovers. Like, you know, and then his defense was obviously awesome. We can talk about the quote unquote incident, which I don't really think was much of it. But I thought last night was just an all around awesome Marcus game. Yeah, I don't think the incident was was a dirty play by any means. And the incident yeah. we're referring to is when he dove for the ball and landed on Steph Curry's foot. I think what I take away from that is how the Warriors reacted in that situation, because you could tell, yeah, they, they are upset because their best player got hurt. But like. They got irrationally mad at that. Like we were in their heads at that point. And that was all Marcus Smart from the beginning of the game. So the the way that the Warriors reacted and then, you know, he lands on Seth Curry's foot. Um, He gets two loose balls in that moment and then Tatum fumbles it twice. There were a lot of fumbled balls last night, by the way. And then, you know, he runs back on defense and like high kicks Clay in the face (laughs) as he's contesting the shot. Like that was such a Marcus play. And like this is what I love about Marcus Smart and this is why I didn't want to trade Marcus Smart you need somebody that 
other teams don't want to go up against. And Marcus Smart is that guy. Yeah, Marcus Smart is a bully. And if you punch the bully in the mouth early in the game, then sometimes you can get in his head and get him out of his rhythm. But more often than than not, Marcus is going to be the guy to get the other player out of their rhythm. And when you're going up against uh, a more finesse player like a Steph Curry, and, you know, like a Trey Young, if we were to see them in the playoffs, um, like a Kyrie, if we were to see him in the playoffs, even though Kyrie is a little bit of a different player than those guys, um, you need Marcus, man. And, and Marcus last night, as Will said, this was the Marcus Smart game. And I, I love what I'm seeing out of him because the eight assists, no turnovers, that's a whole nother conversation, too. But the defense, the tone that he set on defense was great last night. We keep using the word bully, and every time we do, I feel more and more guilty for my Twitter interactions. So we need, we need a different word. It just means you're uh, a part of the Celtics. That's all. That's all it means, Adam. I don't know. I'm feeling down, man. Jokes aside, <laughs> now I think he played well. Um, do you ever seen the movie Ung Back? No, I mean, I'm not even sure what you said to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Ung Back, O N G Ung. Back, no, you know? no, okay. It's so like it's like it's a toy movie. It's like a martial arts movie, like you know that's like that style. But um, the dude does a lot of jumping kicks, and he, he always freeze frames when he's in the air. You know those type like major, mm. and uh, it looked just like Marcus Smart. And I was gonna quote tweet it earlier and be like Marcus Smart or um auditioning for I'm Back Free, but um, I'm glad I didn't because it seems like yeah. one of the only people that ever saw that movie. You need a little um, bit more context, I think. Yeah, but yeah. uh, what you said—that was amazing. Yeah, it had, I really, you threw me, you sped me up, man. You threw me off. Like uh, now, think, at the end of the day, Marcus Smart's out there to prove a point at the moment. Uh, I nearly tweeted this this morning when I was watching the game, and I chose against it because I hadn't got to the end of the game at that point. But Marcus Smart has played this season with a chip on his shoulder. He's played this season very much like. Everybody said the team needed a pass-first point guard. No one gave me a chance to be successful. Everybody said this. You know, he kind of came in with this me-against-the-world mentality, and he's always had that to an extent, and he's kind of tried to implement that to the team as, like, one of the locker room leaders. But this felt legitimate. And the way he's playing at the moment, he had that one pocket pass to Jalen on the back cut, and um, it was just a really tight angle, hit it perfectly. As you said, no no turnovers. His three-point shot looks quite smooth. He's vastly improved in that area over the last year and a half, two years, year and a half, two years. Um, it's He has improved. So I think that Marcus Smart, the game he had yesterday was just a culmination of everything he's worked on over the last like year, two years, all coming together and kind of just being rolled up into one nice, neat little package as a point guard. Uh, I'm a big fan at the moment. You know what I like about Marcus right now? He's always had a defensive identity, but this is the first year that he's developed that offensive identity. And when you see him as a point guard, there are certain passes that you know if if the if the defense plays it a certain way, Marcus knows the exact read, specifically that lob pass to Rob, right? Like he he'll make that two to three times a game if it's there. And he can make that pass in his sleep now. And that back cut to Jalen, you know, Marcus, his 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 I won't say his uh, aggressive ball when he drive <laughs> when he drives to the the middle of the paint and is able to just like get his body into into defenders and the little like scoop shot off the glass that he has now he has all these like he has an identity now on the offensive end and when he's hitting thirty six to thirty eight percent of his three point shots that's just gravy for this team because we need one more guy that is is still reliable from the three-point range. And we've always said Marcus has gravity because he's going to take them, but he's taking smarter shots this year. But my my main point here, 
Marcus has an identity now as a point guard, and that's the first time I've seen that. And you guys talked about this during your your last podcast after the Mavericks game where you know, like like Jalen as the safety valve when when Tatum was getting blitzed, like he's he just doesn't have that 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 playmaking. It's either going to be head down and score, or you know that that's kind of the option when you know Jalen gets that pass out. But you saw last night if Marcus is in that spot, it's 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 almost game over for the defense with the way that his decision making has been. Whether he's going to take that four on three and hit Rob with a pass, or I'm specifically thinking when there was a play, I can't remember what part of the game it was last night he gets it Jalen cuts from you know from the diagonal slot in the wing hits him for the for the layup right down the middle like Marcus's decision making if that's going to be the safety outlet when Tatum gets those double teams that rush at him just above the three-point arc like that's going to be big time trouble for teams and you know we, we can keep talking about his development in that area has been and his commitment to it not even just development his commitment to to being that guy for this team is a huge reason that you know they've been as successful as they have been in this last run the other thing is as well the two players we've all mentioned had Jalen Brown finishing a play yeah. and you know not initiating a play not being a secondary he was playing he was operating as a play finisher and it's very indicative that the two most memorable plays we're talking about right now involve brown in his in my opinion best role you know so i think smart sees that as well you know sees that you get Jalen brown cutting off ball and you get him to rock while he's already got some speed built up it's very very difficult to stop him you know what I mean? Teams are really going to have to load up. You're going to have to try and t- draw the charge or you're going to have to give the foul. So not only is Smart, and this is why I, this is why I think at this point, trading for another point guard, signing another point guard in free agency doesn't make sense because not only has Smart improved in every aspect of his offensive game this, throughout the year, but he understands the, the, the skill sets of every guy around him because he's been with these dudes for so long. So he knows if I get Jalen the ball after he's took three or four steps as an off-ball slasher, he's going to be able to finish that. If I get JT the ball on the perimeter and go set an inverted screen and so he gets the mismatch, Jason's going to drain that. So I think that Marcus is um, like longevity on this team, coming up with these guys, seeing them come in, develop their games. like that. That is um, it's a huge plus into what he brings to this team simply because it's, you, hear, you hear players all the time when they talk about defense, know your personnel. But for a point guard, that must be like paramount on offense when trying to set your guys up. Don't be throwing Derek White no three-point passes. You know what I mean? We got to talk about that. No, I was trying to uh, segue. Yeah. <laughs> I could feel it. I could feel the segue yeah, coming. Yeah. It was building, right? I think we've, we've gotten to know, you know, Adam's Adam's the point guard right now. We got to build. Like, all right, we see it coming. We got, Greg, one of us got to cut off ball. Someone set a screen. We got to cut off ball. Adam's going to hit us with the segue. I gave you the segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Derek, I mean, Derek White, man, he he's still playing effective basketball, but to we, we've been talking about this for a while now. And um, by the way, I'm trying to, to not say the phrase to your point as much because I feel like I, the more I listen to podcasts, just like every podcast out there, I feel like I hear the phrase to your point like 15 to 20 times a podcast. So I've made it my mission not to be the to your point guy. It can also be a drinking game for Ime Udoka's press conferences. 
Yes, you made <laughs> big on it. It's just, it's just a hot Dude, phrase right now. It's a hot point. phrase right now. <laughs> but with well, Derek White, um, I, I kind of forget the point I was making now because to I point. myself off. To my point, Derek White is, you know, he's not on the court at the end of games. And we've talked about this a little bit. We were expecting Derek White to be 100% of the time in the closing five just because of what he brings on the defensive end. Peyton Pritchard is starting to get those minutes more over Derek White because of the way that White has just been unable to shoot so far in his in his tenure in Boston. And when teams are trapping Tatum in the you get an outlet pass and you're playing advantage ball, four on three ball, you need shooters, you know, in shooting spaces. And Derek White is unable to do that. Unless White was the initial screener and he was the person making the play. There isn't really room for him on the offensive side of the ball if teams are, are scheming out Tatum like that. Um, I, I'm more excited about the way Peyton Pritchard has been playing than like what I've seen out of Derek White. Even though Derek White, I think, has done a great job in his role, I just think Pritchard's ability to space the floor and to fight on the defensive end where we can also get teams out of what they want to do because they see little white Peyton Pritchard on the court and they're like, <laughs> Let's go at little white Peyton Pritchard. And Peyton Pritchard just holds his ground. I mean, they I think they posted up Otto Porter Jr. a few times on him, and Pritchard just stonewalled him. He couldn't move him. And that's one thing about Pritchard that I think teams are finding out quickly. He might be little, but he is strong. And he's gonna fight. He's gonna fight and he's gonna be feisty. So I'm I'm excited. The trade for Derek White was just as much of a trade for Peyton Pritchard. Peyton so three hundred Pritchard. So to your point, Greg, I was I was really trying to think about this last night with this Derek White Peyton Pritchard combo, and and Adam, I'm not sure if you'll follow along quite as much. I'm going to make a, a baseball connection to it. I was kind of thinking Derek White is that guy that comes in and grinds out, you know, seven innings, six to seven innings for you, and it's not necessarily pretty, but he gets you that six or seven innings, eats up some innings, gives you stability. And Peyton Pritchard, I, I'm not quite there all the way that he's decided the closer, but between the two of them, as far as him closing out to give you that shooting, and if he's going to be able to hold up on the defensive end, like you don't see Peyton Pritchard. You see Peyton Pritchard a lot more end of the third quarter, into the fourth quarter than you ever do before that. So you, you're seeing Derek White build up that defensive intensity. And, you know, I think last night when I was watching that game, I think the, the Warriors had cut it to about 10. I don't know if they ever got the single digits when Jordan Poole was, was getting hot in the third and into the, the start of the fourth is, is, you know, he, he's been really well on defense. You hit all the points, you know, like like Peyton Pritchard is not a pushover. And this is some, part of the reason that I think all three of us earlier in the year were clamoring, like, give Peyton Pritchard a shot. Like, he's, he's not going to be an all-defensive guy, but he's also going to fight and he's not going to, you know, there's going to be occasional times where he'll get switched and it's just going to be, it is what it is, but he's going to enhance what you do on that offensive side of the ball. And so having him come in at the end of the game to be that guy that gives that grab, gives that spacing and can knock down, you know, he was two of six last night, but he had a couple that, that went in and out. Same with the night before. Like, like I trust Peyton Pritchard and you know, he's like bone crusher. He ain't ever scared. Like, like Peyton Pritchard will come in there and, and he'll shoot that thing right away. He's not going to hesitate. So I think it's really interesting the way that, that we're seeing Derek White and, and, and Peyton Pritchard used. I think it's going to be a little bit more interesting when there's not a 10 point cushion or a little bit more of a cushion. And although we saw that on, you know, against the Mavericks and it almost worked out, the Mavericks pulled out a win and what was a, a really tight game. But I think it's going to be interesting when we get to the playoffs to see how that split between the two of them works for Ime. So I did cut you up a minute ago, so I want to apologize for that before I go any further. I jumped in and you was about to talk. Um, 
Was apology, apology, apology accepted. It wasn't needed. It wasn't needed, but accepted. Thank you. It was. It wasn't needed. It was because I'd already done it once in the episode. Twice is an insult. Um, I was just saying we should give. We were talking about nicknames earlier for the defense. Why not give Peyton Pritchard three hundred because he's little and he holds his ground. Three hundred like the that. armor. Peyton three hundred like Pritchard. Um, so we can try and make that a thing. Then the next thing, <laughs> what's got me is. And when we're talking about the point guard position in general, like the backup guards, so not just point guard, shooting guard too, we can add that in. Dennis Schroeder obviously gave you a bunch in offense, but not much in the way of anything else apart from frustration and sadness. And then you had Derek White, who's giving you pretty much everything apart from scoring, including the frustration and sadness because he's not scoring, you know, going over eight is annoying. Um, and then you have Peyton Pritchard that's giving you a bit of everything but no frustration and sadness. So I think that, as you said, it's it's interesting seeing the way that MA is building this rotation up to be like, hey, we're going to have Derek White set the tone. We're going to have him play as a connector. And then once we're at a point where we need an extra shooter or closer on the floor, we're going to give it to Peyton Pritchard. What I've been really impressed by, with, by Pritchard is he seems a lot more confident creating for himself off the dribble. You know, he's taking guys on one or two crossovers, taking a step in, hit, putting a step back to create that separation. And if he can do that and start creating for others in a similar manner, then I don't know how much more Derek White is giving to the team than what Peyton Pritchard is at that point. The only thing is the defense, I get that. But at the moment, like, I'm Derek White. I'm I'm very I'm going to be very patient with Derek White because I think he could be a fantastic fit for this team and whatever everything that's going on at the moment. But at this very moment in time, this very specific like where we are and what we've seen so far, I think Peyton Pritchard's far more valuable. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a take, man. I mean, Pritchard Pr- Pritchard is like man. It, to, to Will's point earlier, I, I did it. I did it. I couldn't even make it through the rest of the episode. To Will's point earlier, uh, the baseball analogy, like Pritchard's definitely got that specialist vibe to him. So a specialist, Adam, right? Guys out of the bullpen, you have these guys that are closers that can come in and just like finish the game no matter who's in there. And sometimes you got a specialist who's in for like a very specific situation. Like if there's a left-handed batter, you might bring in a left-handed pitcher just to like mix it up on them. Like, that's kind of how I see Pritchard functioning. It's like in certain games against certain matchups and with, with teams playing our offense a certain way, it makes sense to have Pritchard on the court. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a knock against Derek White. I think it just speaks to the different skill sets that those two people have. You know, and I, I don't necessarily see Derek White with the frustration and sadness because he the minutes that he's filling are minutes that, we we were just putting in Romeo Langford before we were putting in um, Josh Richardson before, and although those guys had moments, and I think Richardson played well for us, White is just like a steadying force on both sides of the court. Yeah, he's not hitting his shots right now, but he's not making bad decisions for the most part. He's not turning the ball over. He's still allowing our defense to get set by making the right play and playing low turnover basketball. And that's kind of what I like about Derek White is he's just not going to make too many mistakes. As Will was saying earlier, he's the he's the baseball guy, right, who's going to come in. Your starter doesn't do a great job. He maybe only goes four innings. So Derek White comes in and pitches. You know, he might let up two runs over the next three to four innings, but he, and he, he doesn't strike out a lot of people. 
but he he just gets the outs and that's kind of what Derek White is doing. He's getting those outs and hopefully eventually he will be the shooter that Brad Stevens thought he was going to be when he got him. And he said, oh, if you look at his numbers when he's wide open, he's actually a much better shooter. I was after the first game, I was like, oh, my God, Derek White, I can't, he, he's going to be like a Steph Curry. Like, look at the way he's shooting the ball. And then after that first game, like, I don't know. That's what's a wrong. take. Yeah, that's a yeah, take. That's a, that's a real take. That's a real take. But his shot just like right now, it just it seems he's like in his head. It's, it's he's in his head. And just like Jalen Brown, in my opinion, is still in his head with his shot because some of those three pointers from him last night were ugly. I thought Jalen played great overall, but I'm a little bit concerned about that three point shot, especially when you look across the league and you see a guy like Russell Westbrook, who just like early in his career, man, he was a knockdown free throw shooter. He was he could shoot the ball like on a pull up jumper. Now he literally cannot shoot. He can't shoot at all from any spot on the court. So like guys that weren't great shooters in college figure out a way to shoot in the NBA. Some of those guys can lose it. And like, I'm not saying JB is even close to that point, but JB was not a good shooter coming out of college. And there, there is a world in which this is like the beginning of a trend in which we're like, why isn't Jalen Brown hitting threes? Like he used to hit threes. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit concerning. I know you guys got into some of JB's struggles last, last episode. So I don't want to, rehash that whole thing because I thought last night it started off a little bit rocky for him especially in that first quarter and then he really turned it around I think overall had a really nice night so I don't want to want to harp on it too much but to your point there were a few of those shots where even even uh (laughs) there we go I did it again see now it's now it's in my head there's a word for that where now it's just I'm going I'm doing it because you put it out there and so it's all I can think about but anyways uh even even the commentators mentioned that wasn't even there was one shot where he was wide open and, uh, you know, I was watching the ESPN broadcast and I think it was Mark Jones. He was just like, that wasn't even close, you know, and he, it's it's either completely off the backboard or very off the, the far side of the rim. So definitely something to to keep an eye on. And, you know, we've mentioned this so many times throughout the season. And this is my fear kind of with the ceiling of this team is when you get into these playoff matchups and you're going to have other really good defenses you're going up against, like we saw with the Mavericks, even though they're not in the East, but when you're going up against the Heat or the Bucks at full strength or, you know, one of these other teams, the Cavaliers even, who I've, who I've even said, I think the Celtics, that's the only team I feel confident they will beat in a playoff series is the Cavaliers. That's the only team so right now that I feel 100% confident. I think others, they, they can definitely win, but that's the only one I would, I would put a guarantee on. But I still think it's going to be a struggle because their defense is really good, and it's going to come down to can you make some shots? Can, your, can the other guys make some shots? Marcus Smart made them last night. You know, Al Horford has had a really good stretch of making them. Derek White, not so much right now. Jalen Brown, not so much right now. Grant maybe starting to turn it around from, from that little little funk that he's on, but that's it's going to be make or miss with some of those role guys. And that's the part for me that I think when we have these longer droughts or cold stretches in games, that it's going to come back to bite you in a series. And that's the part that keeps me a little bit tentative from fully putting the hammer down that I think this team is an, an NBA Finals-type team because their defense is that caliber. I just have concerns of the offense and it, and it all dates back to, to that shooting and who's going to hit shots and who's not going to hit shots. Judging by Nick's, how Nick Stauskas hit his first free, I, I think that Nick Stauskas needs to be the number one option when, Jay, when Jason... Stauskas and Hauser, floor, just saying, Yo, two I'm saying, combined man. last night, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe more run. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, and I know that, like, you know, I've just said that I think Pritchard is more valuable than Derek White right now. And in a way, I genuinely believe what I'm saying there. I think that for a team, and it's not because Derek White's not, Derek White is the better player. He's the all-round better player. He's the all-round better fit. He's the connector. But right now, no one's hitting shots. Peyton Pritchard is hitting shots. 
So Peyton Pritchard needs more run, especially I'd I'd like him in a little bit more in early in the game as well, just to try and help build that space and build that feel. And maybe he's not going to be there later in the game. Maybe he'll you know he'll be a specialist then, but just start developing a feel for how to create space around each other and start having an extra guy that can hit those shots. And if we are talking about, like, you know, Jalen Brown's not shooting one at the moment, if that doesn't come back this year, if that's just going to be a prolonged thing that he needs to go away and work on in the offseason, then maybe you do need to give Stauskas a closer look or maybe Sam Hauser gets a few extra opportunities. Not much. I'm talking like five, six minutes a game just to give you... You know, Peyton Pritchard comes out, you put one of these other shooters in at a different position just to keep that spacing available because that's how you're going to get the best out of Jalen Brown when he can't score. If he can't hit jump shots, you need to give him the space to be able to drive to the rim. And if you're just putting Derek White out there, that people, if, if he plays like this much longer, people are going to start sagging off a little bit, going under screens on him and stuff. You're taking away that spacing to get the best out of someone like Jalen Brown. Yeah, I don't disagree with your reasoning. I just think realistically with 12 games to go and the way we've seen Ime coach, it's not going to – yeah, that's that's kind of the that, – that was the face I made. It's just I, just I think the way we've seen Ime coach over the last two months or, you know, whatever it is, two and a half months, 12 games left, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. But I think, you know, earlier in the season when we talk about experimenting, which was which was the time to do it, you know, that that makes a ton of sense. I just I'm just not sure it's going to happen now. Do you guys do this when you're watching games? Like there, there'll be times where I'm watching games and I, I like always just compare Celtics players to, to like stars, right? So like Jason Tatum, the guy I most often compare him to, or I'm like, Ooh, that looked a little bit like Kevin Durant, you know, like, so do you guys do this during games? I'm usually focused on the, like the, the, what got to the shot. Like I'm more interested in what happened before the shot than the actual shot. Okay, yeah. I, I feel, I feel at, like. t- at times I do. I mean, I even tweeted out, you know, I think it was, I can't remember which which game it was. Maybe it was the Hornets recently where, like, KD had that, like, hezzy Jimbo. And, I, and that's all I could think about was, like, that looked like Kevin Durant. That looked like a Kevin Durant, you know, imitation. Yeah, you even like, just so said, I definitely do it. You even just said KD had the hezzy Jimbo. Yeah, JT had that hezzy Jimbo, right? Mm-hmm. But last night, I think Jalen Brown, for me, this is something that I do. This is why I bring it up. Jalen Brown, this is the first time I was like, ooh, JB, like, playing a little bit like D Wade lately, you know, that, that jumper from, from distance isn't there, but he's getting a lot smarter with his cuts, the 45 degree cuts and his ability, as Adam always says, his play finishing, he reminded me a lot of D Wade and his ability to just like knife into the defense and finish. He even had a, a little D Wade floater. He had that like little Euro step and he jumped off his right. I'm um, jumped off his left and finish like a fading uh, floater with his right hand in the lane. And I was like, you know what? If Jalen Brown starts leaning in a little bit more to like a D-Wade mentality and Jason Tatum starts leaning in a little bit more to a Kevin Durant mentality, I would have always loved to see KD and D-Wade play together. That would have been pretty sweet. That's all I got for you. Do you want to to respond? Yeah, Adam, you have the floor. Go ahead. Go for it. I was just going to be like... Like, I've not, like, I do that sometimes. I'm not going to lie and be like, oh, I never look for similarities between guys because I think Tatum is closer to... If you had to choose a player whose style Tatum was closest to, he's kind of KD anyway, just because the, the aesthetic of the shooting motion, um, the, the the calmness of which he plays, apart from when he feels like he got fouled, at which point Tatum's not calm at all. Um, but then he calms down quite quickly. Um so I can see that. I like the Dwayne Wade, uh, like young Dwayne Wade, right? We're talking like just before, like prime, just before prime Dwayne Wade for Jalen Brown. That's the yeah. type of that explosive, quick, rapid, get to the rim. Yeah. I like that. 
I can go with that. I, I'm not upset with that at all. The question is, if you were doing that, who would you have Robert Williams as? And Clint Ooh. Capella is not an allied option. Yeah, see, that that's always my default is that he's kind of a, a Clint Capella type. He's better than Clint Capella. Let's just get that out there. Robert Williams is better than Clint Capella. That's a take. Clint Capella is pretty good. I mean, I, I think they're, I think they're, I think they're closer to being equal than I would say either one is better than the other. But Clint, Clint is a better one-on-one post defender than Rob. I think that's the only place in which Clint Capella is now better than Robert Williams. I think Robert Williams has surpassed Clint Capella, and now we can compare other people coming up to Robert Williams rather than compare Robert Williams to Clint Capella. So I think that, I think Capella's still a better uh, transition defender as well. Who's a more impactful player? That's different because we, Rob's got a more a more versatile game. Clint Capella is very much rebound and rim run. Rob is rebound, rim run, and he can facilitate as well. So then you have to say that Rob's more impactful because he has that extra avenue that you can utilize from him than what you could with Capella. You add a mid-range game into Rob Williams, all of a sudden Rob Williams has less Clint Capella so far behind. He's like, you need a microscope to find him. Like, but right, Honestly, seriously, I believe that you give Rob Williams that mid-range shot and... He he goes up a couple of tiers, um, but right now, yeah, I think I think that could work. I think if it's not Clint Capella, though, who is it? Yeah, I don't know. I, I was, the, this, what, what was the dude's name? He he wasn't uh he wasn't in the league for long, um, but Rob always kind of yeah. But he Rob like his defensive IQ reminds me of this dude. He I think he was on was he on the Bucks. He was out of the league like quickly. Because of like mental health issues, I'm just drawing a blank on his name right now. Super oh, springy dude, uh, Larry, Larry, Larry Sanders. Yeah, Larry Sanders. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like he, he kind of always reminded me of like Larry Sanders, the way that Larry Sanders used to get off the floor. Like he had that freakish athleticism too. Where you're right, he had that quick, sec- that quick initial jump and that quick second jump, and that's one of the things for Rob where. You know, Rob jumps so quickly that you think he's out of position that he gets back into the play and either contest or block your shot, and it's it's really impressive the way he does it. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Larry Sanders, I don't think is that that bad of one. I, ha- I haven't thought about him in so long that I'm having a hard time saying I 100% agree. But initially, I kind of like that take. I have, have to think about it a little bit, a little bit more. Um, but before we got here, one thing I do want to mention: Celtics are in fourth place right now, sole possession. They have a home series as of right now. Now, obviously. The East is super close, but I think that's a pretty huge uh, monumental, you know, point of the season for this team that they're now a home playoff team in the Eastern Conference. So it's been a long journey since we were worried about the play in to now. And now we have a home playoff series. And if I remember correctly, a lot of us predicted the Celtics to finish fourth this year. I think I think Greg and I picked fifth this year. Is what we both came with. We'll there, there, right. I, I remember saying fourth. I think I've got it in writing somewhere as well. So I'm, I'm going to take my flowers right now, assuming that that's where they stand. <laughs> Twelve games left and a half game lead. Yeah, there's nothing that could change. Yeah, <laughs> it's done. It's done, dude. We're ending the league today. Bucket. Last question I've got is: How badly would you like the Celtics to add Vitor Favorani for the remainder of the season, just to shore up the feel-good vibes? <laughs> Um, I, I got nothing for you on Vitor. Uh, I, if, if anybody, I would want Gershon. If we're going to bring anybody back, I want Gershon. You want uh, the dancing bear? I want the dancing bear. I just, I just always liked the dancing bear. I thought, I thought he had a lot of potential there. No, but with the Celtics 12 games left, we're eight games away, right? From 50 wins. How crazy is that? 
I would be now surprised if the Celtics didn't get 50 wins. If we don't go eight and four down the stretch, I think I would actually be pretty shocked if we don't end up with 50 wins. But uh, and another question I'm thinking about is, do I even want to get beyond the four seed? I think I'm pretty happy staying in the four seed and potentially avoiding a matchup with the Raptors that look like they're going to take over that six seed the way that they're trending up and the Cavs are trending down. And Brooklyn, right, if the Cavs end up in the seven seed, Kyrie now gets to play in the playing game. So Brooklyn against Cleveland in Cleveland, Kyrie now gets to play. I'm imagining Brooklyn gets that seven seed. I don't want the two seed now. Right. So if Toronto takes that six seed, I think Brooklyn gets the seven seed and I'm very happy staying in this four or five matchup. Yeah. Four or five makes sense to me at that point. Yeah. I think, I think that's the, that's a great way to look at it because you're right. If, if, Cleveland ends up in there. That's the Kyrie wrinkle to this whole thing is is so insane at this point. Like it's it's so weird to try and figure out each scenario. And then wait, is that where Kyrie can play? Can he play here? He can't play here. And you know, and and oddly enough, if if nothing changes with those mandates, like in a way, Brooklyn benefits being in the play in because they're going to be on the road for every series, and so they get Kyrie for an additional game for each of those those series. And with that type of team, I don't think they they care at all if they're on the road or or there at home. So I, I think, yeah, the way it's looking right now, I'd feel pretty good about that, that Bulls matchup. If that was the four or five, which, which based on some of the scenarios that are available right now, and there's a lot that can change, whether we're home or away, that looks like it could be the most likely scenario. And I feel pretty good about that, to be honest. I know the Bulls have had a great season, but I feel pretty good about the Celtics in that matchup. I'll tell you what, if the Knicks had had a good year this year, and like built on what they did last year, and then they landed the Nets in the playoffs this year, the media would have blew up because that would have been no Kyrie for an entire yeah. series. <laughs> you know what I mean? That would have been hilarious. He just would have that been courtside at every game. Every game, get fucked, get, <laughs> getting the Nets fine 50K every game, going into the locker room afterwards. But man, like part of me like really wishes that there was a way that the Net, the Knicks could surge enough to, to land that, that game. I thought about that as well, but it's it's just not it's possible. Yeah, yeah, it's not they, possible. They yeah, they're pretty they're pretty far back right now. I like my I like my uh, my what what would it be unachievable hypotheticals? <laughs> they're the ones that you can they're the ones that you can really go wild with. Adam, we should do a whole pod uh, maybe in the off season about that's just titled unachievable hypotheticals. I'm, I'm super down for that. Oh, that, yeah, that sounds I'm, like fun to be honest. I'm in with that. I'm always down for fun stuff like that. Right, everybody, if you've been listening to this show on the Celtics pod feed, then make or it don't matter actually on either feed. Make sure you scroll down, find those five star buttons, hit the fifth star, not the third, not the first, because that's bad. We want the five. Hit the five. Write something nice. Adam, Will, Greg are great. Adam is not a buddy on Twitter. We don't know what <laughs> what Greg is talking about. Um wait, Adam, Adam, since this is a crossover episode, Adam Taylor is now gonna tell you. If you, where, where can, can the people, how can the people help us if they can't write a review? So if you've already left a review, if you've already clicked like, if you've already done everything you possibly can to make the algorithms love the show more. And if you, or you might just not like leaving reviews, you might be like, Hey, I like the show. I only leave reviews when I'm sad. That's cool. What you can do. First of all, share it on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit. Tell everybody about how awesome this show is, how much you love it. Tag us so we can see, we can share it. People are going to listen more when you're the one saying it than us. We created the content, so they're going to be like, you're meant to think it's ace. If you're telling people it's ace, then you never know. 
also make sure you go to the mall do you know what dm us we'll get you some flyers some business cards all for the show go to the mall post them up for us when you're getting your suit fitted for whatever reason you need a suit make sure you make your tailors telling you about you're telling your tailor why you love these shows ask him to put it on in the in the store if you work at foot locker you should be playing this at the speakers we're you know pg-13 we don't swear we don't curse the children can walk in and out the store and it's fine if you're working in so that's in Foot Locker, same as if you're in Dick Sporting Goods. Give me some other other sports shops out there. Go no, this, this this is your guerrilla marketing campaign. You I don't you, know. you go for it. <laughs> if you work in an airport, make sure that's your airport waiting music. If you're working in a call center, it should be your hold like tunes. Make sure everybody everywhere knows about this show, and by doing so, we can grow and eventually give you even more content. I think I've done a very good job there. That was well, well done. That was well done. Why, why, well done. Why have we been wasting our breath doing it? You just you just nailed it on that first try. We're we're, we're kicking it back to you moving forward here. The bully is about to get all... bullied. But I'm That's not a bully. <laughs> <laughs> what else can they do? Uh, I'm just trying to think. If you fly a plane that does skywriting, you could skywrite, listen to the and then the podcast name and skywriting, so hundreds of thousands of people could see it. If you're a flight attendant and you're making your announcements, let let the people know. You know if they're if they're looking for something to do during during their flight, they can always put on uh, Celtics Pod or the Six One Seven, the Green with MB guys, presented by Crowworthy. Up, uh, yeah, there's this is good, man. Maybe we should. It should now just be we spitball back and forth all the different places versus. And we just, never know. There could be influencers listening to this show. You know, there could be somebody that's got ten million followers somewhere, and all they need to do is give us a little bit of a freebie. And be like, yo, I listen to this show a bunch. These guys deserve some love. Maybe you're on TikTok. Do you know what? Why aren't people doing TikTok trends to our podcasts? Why has it always got to be music? It could be us. Well, they, there's yeah. always at least one, uh, you know, one quotable moment. Like, I think for this one, the, the audio they could rip is, I'm not a bully. <laughs> or they could rip that accent, too. <laughs> yeah, because your accent was worse than mine. But you sounded like, um, do you have, have you ever watched Last Kingdom? I have not, no. Nah, man, you need, you need to watch that, man. It's really good. I started watching it not long after Game of Thrones has ended. The six seasons, okay. I'm on the sixth one, but you just sounded like the main character from that. <laughs> so, uh, good job, sounds, actually, sounds, to be fair. I was going to say, sounds like he has a bad accent, but... <laughs> yeah, he does. Have, he, you can tell he's faking the accent, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, But no, I am not a bully. And that's another thing as well. Let's get that t- trending. Hashtag Adam Taylor is not a bully. I want that trending. Like today, please, because I feel like I'm being victimized here. Maybe yeah, this I'm. Is the, being this is the world's longest sign off of all time. <laughs> I, mean, I think I, I think we forgot we were ending the pod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean sometimes it's good to give people a behind the curtain because this conversation is going to continue when I press stop. So, <laughs> so, um, and I always appreciate whoever makes it to the actual end of the episode is not like okay these guys are wrapping up. You know sometimes people just duck out. It's like look at this they just oh. missed like four minutes of content. Right. You here. know what we if should do. Lost, you know what we should. And your victory if you're still listening. Just like we like in Marvel movies at the end when they do like the post credit scene, we should have like some sort of trivia for like this moment of the pod where like certain people that make it to this point, we give them something that only they would listen to. And we like have some sort of like narrative where we give them like a code word at the end of each podcast and then they get some sort of prize or something like that. Yeah, but that like prize prizes like, like we need to be bigger for that. Like people need to. 
do yeah, everything maybe we can, just listed. Maybe we can give him one of those one of those flyers that Adam was talking about that we had. Yeah, I'm serious about that. Bro. Like, yeah, I'm serious <laughs> about that. People should be like, oh, we'll pay for them. We'll have them shipped to you. You just hand them out. Well, it's no pyramid scheme. There's no money to be made. We're just asking for help. You know what I mean? We need your help. All right, then everybody, we'll leave you to it. Apparently, uh, we signed off five minutes ago and then just continued. So everybody have a good day. Stay safe. Don't do anything we wouldn't do. And remember, Adam Taylor is not a bully. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the major. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. This ain't everything I am. It's something that I do